Bienvenida a Worst Bestsellers, where we read about decolonizing children's media so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read Dora and the Lost City of Gold by Steve Bailing. Joining us to discuss this movie novelization is Christy, who would rather take on ancient Incan militia and mercenaries than high school again. Hola! <laughs> Hi, Christy. Welcome back to Worst Bestsellers. Thank you. We're Third happy to have you. Yes, yes, I am so thrilled to be here, too. Yes. So this book is a really interesting way for us, I think, to segue out of this year's flashback summer, because this is a new book based on a new movie that we are not being paid to promote. I need to make that very clear, but I am now very excited to see this film. <laughs> uh, I want to see this movie so bad if they want to send us like retroactive retro whatever free passes that'd be fine but I am going anyway so it does not matter yeah, okay that really um doesn't help our uh, our cause uh, of, of getting <laughs> sponsorship by Nickelodeon <laughs> well, listen I came so close to getting a sponsorship by the ART <laughs> <laughs> We'll it's get there. all about the movie popcorn, ladies. It really is, <laughs> right? So, if you're not familiar, Dora and the Lost. If you're not familiar, because Nickelodeon hasn't been doing a good job marketing this, such as they're not paying podcasters to talk about it for some reason. <laughs> uh, Dora and the Lost City of Gold is a new movie that's just coming out this year about a teenage Dora, based on the cartoon Dora the Explorer. That I should have looked up when that premiered, but all I have is a sense of like. It came out when I was too old to be watching, like, small child TV. Yeah. But recently, I've like, I heard, like, of course I know what Dora is. I just haven't really, I didn't really grow up with Dora, per se. Yeah. Um, I would, I would say, based on when, I know when, for a very bizarre reason, I know when Go Diego Go, the spinoff of Dora, came out. Please do tell me why. <laughs> oh. Um, my friend Seb voiced Diego's father. What? <gasps> what? <laughs> um, Why isn't yeah, he so... on the podcast, Kate? I love Kevin Bacon connections like this. <laughs> uh, Christy, get out. We have to get the voice of Diego's dad in the podcast. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, I gotta go. <laughs> okay, the first episode of Dora the Explorer came out in 2000. Yes, I could actually tell you this because, well, number one, I did look it up also, but, you know, one one of the the things that I told you ladies about is the fact that I have had now, quote unquote, two generations of children going through this because when it premiered in 2000, my daughter was four years old Mm, perfect, and now her five-year-old son who lives with me is watching them too. And so he loves Dora. He loves Diego. And it's kind of amazing to think that it's been around for that many years and yet she hasn't I don't know what kind of skincare she's using down there in the <laughs> angle, but she looks great. Uh, yeah, uh, doing some research into like un- unapproved Botox from the uh, tree frogs, probably. Yes, definitely the tree frogs. I actually saw, and I'm sure many people listening saw, so this movie was announced, and basically I was like, this is a joke. I think this movie is fake. And then screenshots of this book started going around Twitter 
because it was wild. Yes. So we saw these tweets and we were like, oh, this does seem like sort of our brand. And even even just from the, like, only the most ridiculous bits were taken out of context. Like when the narrator is, you know, breaking the fourth law and being like, I'm not really sure who Dora's talking to, but okay. And and people were like, oh my god, this is so weird, like, what a messed up book. And I was like, this is funny on purpose, though, right? Like, yeah. this is funny on purpose. This seems good? I think this book is good. I think this movie is good. Uh, like, I remember the, the, the thing from the trailer that was going around was... Dora having to go through um, a metal detector and just, like, pulling things out of her backpack and other kids being like, oh, my God, Dora, you brought a knife on a field trip? Yes. And people are like, well, that's ridiculous. And I was like, but this is actually so good. This is so, such a perfect extrapolation of, like, my sense, again, as someone who didn't really watch the show, my sense of, like, what would happen if this character grew up and sort of had to face quote-unquote real life and so I think this is so interesting to read now like I was saying coming off of flashback summer as we've been talking about how a lot of our our childhood favorites were things that sort of started to break the fourth wall or have some kind of like meta commentary on like the fairy tales that we grew up with or you know just sort of poking fun at things we were familiar with and so I think this is so smart and so perfect because it's doing that for kids who grew up with Dora and maybe you know, now they're tweens or something, and they have a bit of fondness for the character, but they are also like, oh yeah, that was whack. Like, what was in that backpack, Dora? It's yes. it's very interesting to me because, um, like, a thing that'll go around the internet a lot, and like particularly Tumblr and sometimes Twitter as well, is this idea that uh, children's media isn't like turning children's media gritty and realistic in order to like make it better quote unquote which as anyone who listens to the show would know i hate i hate that idea i hate that readiness yeah that you need to turn something like stark and dark and gritty in order for it to be interesting and quote unquote realistic and i think this reaches this very interesting middle ground of being like well yes like let's make Dora realistic but let's do it tongue-in-cheek so we can come like it's a little bit of a commentary on how ludicrous some of the the conventions of like this cartoon are put in a realistic light but it is still it's still fun and optimistic and and not grim yeah and yeah, definitely. I think that's the best part of it is that, you know, you think about teenagers. I mean, they're 16 in, you know, the bulk of the book, except for the beginning. And when you think of 16 year olds now, this is definitely not the kind of kids you really think about. And you expect that children this age, you know, when they're faced with high school and drama and all this trouble, it is going to have that darker tone and just being able to take, you know, that optimism and positivity and all of that stuff that came from Dora, you know, as crazy as it was, they were able to capture some of that in this book. You know, most of the time, I think that, I always have, I always struggle a little bit with um, movie to book novelizations because of the fact that there's a lot of 
exposition that comes through that are visual sight gags, but it still shows all of those highlights um, and aspects of the original Dora cartoon and did its best for it. And it's just really delightful. So this is actually the second movie novelization we've done on Worst Bestsellers. Or mm-hmm. the third. The third. Because um, we did... One of our earliest episodes was the movie novelization of Need for Speed. So we did a novel based on a movie based on a video game, which was really incredible synergy. And that is, I think, maybe still our least uh, listened to episode. And like, <laughs> you're missing out. You're missing out, you guys, on Need for Speed, which just was the most ridiculous thing. But in and then we did um, the X the X Men movie novelization with Carrie, yes. and I I think in both of those we've talked about how it seems like movie novelizations in general seem sort of like a relic of a pre internet time or even like an early internet time when you couldn't just go and like stream the movie immediately or you couldn't just go and read the Wikipedia summary. Like, I, as a kid, definitely, I had the movie novelization of Aladdin and in the time between, which was one of the first movies I saw in the theater, and then the time between seeing the movie and then it coming out in VHS tape for me to, like, rewatch Aladdin over and over, I destroyed that book. Like, it was just held together with tape. I reread it so many times because I just... That was the only way I had to get more Aladdin drug injected into my veins was, like, this movie novelization. And so it almost is surprising that we still have movie novelizations just because I feel like the way that we acquire media is so different now that it, in a lot of ways it seems like we don't really need them anymore, but maybe we do. Maybe when is this one? We do. Yeah, this is, and we talked a little bit when we did the X-Men one, we talked a little bit about getting a good author for your movie novelization who adds enrichment to it, which for me, reading that was mostly like made it gayer. But the the X-Men movie novelizations, by the way, if you miss those two, they're written by Chris Claremont, which is wild. Yeah, which of course Chris Claremont is going to make them gayer. Like that's his whole (laughs) shtick. But this too, like, this is, I would hire this guy to write many other things. It is done with, this is art. This book is art. (laughs) It belongs in a museum. (laughs) I have have a really important announcement. Okay. Steve Bailing, who wrote this incredible Dora novel, also wrote, actually multiple Avengers, they look like maybe junior novels of some sort, and he wrote one called The Pirate Angel, The Talking Tree, and Captain Rabbit, uh, you know, based on Thor and his friends Rocket and Groot, and I must read this immediately. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like a Space Jam sort of thing, and I must see it on the big screen also. He wrote Captain Marvel's Star Force on the Rise. Steve Bailing, I'm gonna read everything you wrote. (laughs) Legit. Gosh, do we have anything else to say about this book before we actually tell you about this book? Aside from the fact that I really want to see this movie? Yeah, I mean, maybe just to stress again that we're not being paid at all by Nickelodeon, but we will take your money. Or, like, some... No, I was going to say, oh, we'll take some slime, but as I said, I was like, I don't want that. (laughs) (laughs) I would take, though... Remember, I don't know if you've ever read Nickelodeon magazine as a child... But they had that slime cake 
I would take some slime cake. I would need to see a picture. Yeah, I'll take all the movie concessions because that actually will be a lot more money than trying to get a movie ticket to go see Dora, which I definitely want to go see also. So maybe, you know, just send me concessions. Mm -hmm. That would be great. Yeah. Um, All right. So that's that's our our prologue for Dora and the Lost City of Gold, the junior novel. And so, um, yeah, it it starts off with... um, a prologue that I can imagine in the movie it might just be the cartoon, the way it's written, I'm not sure. Or it might be like a live-action version of what we see in the cartoon of, you know, six-year-old Dora talking to her backpack and talking to her monkey friend and going through the jungle and just sort of like Dora the Explorer with her cousin Diego. And then it ends with Diego and his family having to leave and move to the the city. Yes. And when they're going, like, it's very clear that Dora and Diego are best friends and they, Diego uh, breaks a candy bar in half and gives half to Dora with the idea that, like, oh, like, it'll remind you of me and then we can, like, come, we'll both have them when we're apart. And then after the prologue, we jump to 10 years later. By the way, I want to interject. Christy, uh... Is that a thing from the show, that candy bar thing? It seems so specific. No, it totally is not. And already right there, it's like they're six years old, but it specifically says that Dora is seven in the show. So I find it very interesting that they played with the age that way. But maybe they just needed a way to make her 16 in the movie as opposed to 17 because you know there's such a wealth of difference between those two years i guess absolutely yeah uh so we we get skipped to 10 years later and dora is running through the woods uh through the jungle sorry very different Mm -hmm. legitimately very different um (laughs) running through the jungle with a gopro strapped to her head narrating what she's doing out loud in a way similar to the television series um there is a monkey with her uh boots who she is talking to but who is not talking back because as the novel stresses several times animals can't talk mm-hmm. yeah the narrator is is kind of its own character in this book and the narrator is so funny and again we talked about those bits that were going around on twitter where the narrator pops up and says uh if you feel like saying uh whatever i forget if you feel like saying this out loud like repeating back what dora said i guess you can do that but i'm not really sure who's dora's talking to and (laughs) from the from the excerpts of it they're going around it was like well that's funny it does seem like it would get annoying but they're they're really smart with it like it happens a few times up front so you kind of get the joke and then it sort of fades away even even like when dora will do her little shtick the narrator doesn't comment on it every time and so, in my opinion, it, it stayed, like, fresh and really funny every time the narrator did stuff like that. Yeah. Um, the, the voice of the narrator was just so good. It reminded uh, me of uh, Jane the Virgin. Yes. Um, so, Dora, while running through the woods, uh, ends up falling down into a ravine after finding a map. And she sends Boots to get her parents, and her parents fish her out of the ravine... And they're very excited by the map because her parents are archaeologists. 
And and I have they- another important Marvel-related announcement, which is that Dora's dad is Luis from the Ant-Man movies, who is <laughs> one of my like top five favorite Marvel characters. I'm really excited that this guy's getting more work. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they've been looking for oh god, I'm gonna I can't I've already forgotten the name of the specials of Parapata. Parapata, which is uh, an ancient Incan city that is supposedly filled with gold and treasure, um, which her parents are interested in finding it for the archaeological discovery because they are explorers. Yes, much is made of them being explorers and not treasure hunters. Um, you know, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of Indiana Jones' shtick of it belongs in a museum, except for more culturally respectful than Indy they are. Oh, so, for sure. So this map is going to help them um, figure out how to, to zero in on the city. And Dora's really excited until they inform her that she will not be going with them. Uh, she will be going to the big city to stay with Diego and his family because they think it's too dangerous and they think that she needs to learn um, how to be around other kids her own age because up to this point she's been homeschooled in the jungle with only like animals for friends. Mm -hmm. And the animals don't even talk as we've learned. Yes. Definitely not. So she's very upset about this but she goes to the city and she sees her aunt and her uncle and her grandmother for the first time in years and years and years. And she sees Diego and he is very much a 16 year old teenager who lives in the city. Uh, he is more interested in his phone than her. He is more interested in not showing interest in anything in order to be cool. Um, He's on he, the basketball team. Yes. And he thinks that all of her like friendliness and saying hello to everyone and talking about animals and talking about like all of the things that she knows from the jungle are mortifying and is terrified of having to go to school with her. She pulls out the uh, candy bar from 10 years ago and he's like, why do you even still have that? I think I ate mine like immediately. (laughs) And the other thing is that she is confused because back when he was living in the jungle, he knew more about animals than anyone. He was very in touch with nature and with the jungle and with wildlife. And now it's like that part of him has vanished entirely. Like, it's not like he's hiding it from her. It's like he's forgotten their time together, which is demoralizing to her. Yeah. Poor Dora. Mm -hmm. But you know what? She's got a great attitude. Yes. Uh, She starts at high school with Diego. And on the first day, he, like, messes up her hair and untucks her shirt and tries to make her look cool and tries to give her, like, the rules of high school but she just doesn't care about following them. She is still very cheerful and introduces herself to everyone, including Sammy, who is the class president, like super straight A. Over overachieving, um, sort of mean girl, sort of preppy girl. Yes. And she like when they first meet, she's selling cupcakes um, to <laughs> save the rainforest. And Dora's like, Oh my god, like, what's happening to the rainforest? <laughs> and which rainforest is it? And she lists off a whole bunch of them, and Sammy's just kind of like, uh, rainforest? 
because they're all one big one together. <laughs> yes, and Sammy feels threatened because Dora has revealed that she knows so much about the rainforest, and Sammy is used to being the only person who like is smart around there. Yes. Uh, they also meet Randy, who is a nerd who gets picked on, who's obsessed with his phone. Um, and Dora says hi to him because he's wearing a shirt that is an astronomy joke. Uh, that she needs to correct because it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, in a fun way. Yeah. Oh, totally. And so Diego, everything she does mortifies Diego, but she also, like, just feels pretty lonely because people just aren't friendly the way that the people she's used to are friendly. Although, to be clear, the people she's used to are her parents and monkeys. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she decides that she's going to ignore Diego's advice and be more herself uh, as time goes on and school keeps going on. And one of his major rules for high school is that you don't dance at school dances. Mm-hmm. So the winter dance comes around and she at this point has decided like, fuck it, I'm going to do whatever I want. By the way, here's something that's wild about those schools. It's the winter dance and it's a costume dance and the theme is dress like your favorite star. Which is, that's awkward phrasing and clearly just designed for, like, the pun of what Dora's costume is. And that's fine. I can go with that. I just want to point out that's real clunky. It's fine. Yes. Dora dresses as the sun and Randy dresses in a uh, hydrogen 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 t-shirt. Because hydrogen is the element that makes up stars. So they both think they're very clever. Mm Mm-hmm. I also like this pun because it actually does refer back to the cartoon because oh. um, somewhere in the second, third season, all of a sudden the stars started to get introduced. And I mean, just like literal tiny five pointed stars that had smiley faces on them because, and they talked, you know, although stars obviously like animals don't talk. And it was something that she collected and also had some adventures with them um, and with everything else. So I thought that was kind of a cute reference, but still made it normal as in, you know, she's the sun. And I was really hoping she was like going to come in this big pink five pointed star costume. But, you know, we kind of had to keep it a little real here. And the stars do come back in later. Like, she and Diego clearly know a lot about the constellations. It's a whole big thing later. So, okay, that's good to know. That's a Dora, a Dora show thing. Yes. It is a Dora show thing. Um, so at- noticed, I've seen them all. <laughs> <laughs> so at this dance, Dora decides, like, fuck it, I'm going to dance. And uh, not only does she do, like, a dance that she and Diego made up as children where they imitated animals... She tries to encourage Diego to join her, which his uh, sports team friends make fun of him for. And even though everyone is laughing at her, Dora is having a good time. And when they're leaving, Diego says, like, I don't know how, like, you don't realize this, but they're all making fun of you. And Dora says, well, no, I do realize that I'm not stupid. But, like, I would rather have fun and be made fun of than be miserable and invisible and you know i'd rather be myself and like take the mocking that comes with that than than just be sad all the time 
uh, which she doesn't get. And he starts giving her the cold shoulder. And this is how we know we're in a movie because no 16 year old would behave that way. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So they, the school is going on a field trip to the natural history museum and they are having a scavenger hunt and they're broken into teams of four. And so of course, through fate, Randy and Sammy and Dora and Diego, the only high schoolers who have names up to this point, mm-hmm. are all on the same team. I mean, I do buy it because they, well, the three of them don't have any other friends, and now Diego's being shunned by the sports team because of his uncool dancing. So, like, they're the four misfits who don't have anyone else, so they end up together. Yes, absolutely. Also, yes, they're the only ones with names. So it's very convenient. (laughs) The first item on the list is to get the oldest item that you can find. And whoever gets the oldest of everyone in the class uh, gets extra credit points. So, of course, Sammy wants the oldest to get the very, very oldest of everyone so she can get the extra credit points. And Dora sees a poster for an ancient Egyptian exhibit that will be opening soon and is like, oh, well, that'll probably be the oldest stuff, but it's not open yet. And a helpful, quote-unquote, guard standing near the poster is like, ah, well, they're loading that exhibit in downstairs. And uh, if someone, wink, wink, were to leave this door open, wink, wink, you could go down and and see it while they're unloading it. Yeah, and and she's kind of like, oh, you know, I have kids. I understand, like, you want to do well in school. I get it, which is not great for a guard job. Yes. But is great for if you have a secret nefarious plan. Yes, which, uh, spoiler alert, is what is happening uh, when Dora goes down, leads them down into the basement. There are um, a bunch of other guards there, but they're very clearly not guards. And they capture Dora and her friends and put them in a crate and ship the crate off to the jungle. Yes. So when they get to the jungle... Dora sticks her head out of a container and sees a fourth uh, adult who she did not recognize as one of the guards who put them in the crate. And he claims to be Alejandro, who is a friend of her parents who has been looking for them because they disappeared two weeks ago. And he recognized her from hearing them talk about her and seeing pictures of her. And he is going to rescue them from the crate. But he doesn't have he doesn't have a plan except get them out of the crate. So the narrative before he introduces himself by name, the narrative starts calling him Mister Ten Percent of a Plan. Mm-hmm. And then he he steals a Range Rover and becomes Mister Fifty Percent of a Plan. <laughs> it's just very funny. Yes. Uh, so he gets them out by Range Rover, and um, the other three kids are losing their minds because they're in the jungle, far away from their parents and civilization and Dora's freaking out because her parents are missing and there are mercenaries who are looking to track them so that they can get to the lost city of gold first. Mm -hmm. Oh, one thing that was established in the prologue that we forgot to mention is Dora's family makes, uh, red circles on trees as like their symbol to find each other in the wood, in the forest or like, to mark their path. Like, instead of breadcrumbs, they use berries to draw red circles on trees. Yes. Like you do. So, using her father's journal, which Alejandro has and presents to her as proof that he does actually know her parents, and Dora's 
memory because her map oh right because while they're escaping um a fox wearing a mask runs out and grabs her backpack and steals her map out of it Mm. and as one does yes swipes her map out of it so they start yelling at the fox for swiping the map and calling him swiper and saying swiper no swiping (laughs) (laughs) um and so they're they're kind of they're kind of at a loss here they're working by dora's memory and her father's notes and following these circles that they find these berry juice circles on the trees um and alejandro seems to be he claims that he's like an academic so he's not really good at jungle Mm -hmm. uh the way dora and her family are so it's kind of up to dora to like lead them through the forest which they do and they go through several like scrapes and adventures. Yes, they they get stuck in quicksand at one point and they are on the run from the mercenaries who they keep crossing paths with and also there's an ancient order of protectors. Yeah, hit hit lost guardians, I think. Yes. Yes. Capital L capital G lost guardians whose job it is to protect Parapata. And they're also coming after the group with arrows and things. So there's a lot, there's a lot that they interact with on their way. And finally, um, they. Well, and throughout also, so Randy, then the nerdy boy is obsessed with video games and he keeps trying to be like, Oh, is this, is this a jungle puzzle? And he keeps trying to think it's like a video game. And, Dora and Alejandra are like, no, like, real life's not like video games. There's not just, like, puzzles in the jungle. But guess what? There are, though. Yes. And at one point, they catch up to the mercenaries, and they discover that they are going to go one way, and Dora knows that her parents' path led them through this abandoned opera house. Oh, uh uh-huh. So she takes the group that way, and once they get there, they discover this old lady who does not speak... Uh, English or Spanish, but does speak like the ancient Incan uh, dialect. Yeah, she speaks Quechua. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which Dora knows. Yes. Uh, so Dora talks to her and she says that she will help Randy and Diego and Sammy get back to civilization, but Dora and Alejandro are like, they need to go find Dora's parents still. But, so while they're doing that, they accidentally, Alejandro accidentally activates these crazy flowers that shoot pollen at them and make them hallucinate that they're in the Dora cartoon in a brilliant segment of this book. It's super good. I I can only imagine that it's incredible in the film. Yes. Uh, Where the the backpack is talking to her. And Boots, who they 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 bump into Boots while they're because they find their parents' campsite at one point, and Boots is there and goes with them on their journey. And so Boots is like Boots from the cartoon, and he can talk, and her backpack can talk, and her map can talk, and all of this stuff. Um, and they are eventually the two of them are rescued by Sammy and Diego and Randy who realized that the old woman who was helping them had the same tattoo as the Lost Guardians and realized that she probably meant them harm, so they ran away from her. Um, and at this point, I think they they end up 
in a situation where there actually is a jungle puzzle. Yes. Yes. That Randy is able to solve because his big thing is he he keeps saying he can hold his breath for seven minutes because when he was a child, he would pretend to drown at the pool to get attention. (laughs) (laughs) And juice boxes. And juice boxes. (laughs) As one does. Yes. Uh, So he is able to hold his breath long enough to complete the jungle puzzle, which uh, empties them out of a flooding room right where Dora's parents are. And I think at that point, the mercenaries catch up to the whole gang. And and it's revealed that Alejandro did not, is not their parents' friend, but is the leader of the mercenaries. He's a bad guy. And stole her by the table. Yeah. Alejandro. Alejandro. (laughs) I was hoping we were going to bring that. (laughs) It's been in my head all week. (laughs) Um... Yeah, so then there, then there's, like, actually a very Indiana Jones puzzle where uh, to get to the final, you know, level of the temple to get the gold, where Alejandro assumes that what they have to answer what the Inca's most valued, and he assumes it's gold because he's greedy, and he falls in a trap door, and Dora knows that the real answer of what they valued most was water. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also... The old woman who they saw at the opera house turns out to be a ancient goddess. Yeah, who's protecting the temple. So once Dora proves herself worthy, then then she's Team Dora. Yes, but then is it Swiper? I think Swiper yeah. tries to swipe some ancient treasure, and so the tumbles the the temple starts crumbling, uh, and they all have to rush to get out. But then Dora is able to get the treasure back from him and, and put it back in the spot to stop the temple from crumbling. But the doors are still closing and they have to, you know, rush to to escape before they're trapped inside forever. Yeah. Which they do successfully. And and this bit um, with Swiper was another little bit of the book that was going around Twitter where Swiper has a little breakdown and is like... Well, you know, I'm I'm 65 and I live in a one like studio apartment. And, like, when am I supposed to get mine? I, you know, you're always like swiper, no swiping. But what am I supposed to do? And by the way, in the movie, the he is voiced by Danny Trejo, and I have got to see this movie. <gasps> yeah, it's it, it's pretty delightful. And then after this whole thing, where then Boots starts like talking him through his breakdown and being like, you know, it's okay. You know, well, Boots doesn't life. do anything. Boots is just staring at him, and and uh, Swiper is like reacting as if the monkey said something. He's like, "Oh yeah, you're right. Like I've been yeah. blaming other people for like my problems, but you're right. I do need to look within." And Boots is like doing nothing because he's a monkey. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, so, and after this whole rant that Swiper goes on, the narrator then says, "But of course, that just sounded like." squeaking noises to Dora and her friends because as I mentioned many times before animals can't talk (laughs) and actually I have to say Danny Trejo he he is the voice of Boots oh shoot who's the Benicio Del Toro is Swiper yes 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 amazing casting all around for this conversation (laughs) (sighs) yeah so they, they successfully go back to civilization and they're all friends now and Dora decides her parents say like oh we're gonna go on another quest and you can come with us and Dora's like you know what 
I don't need to come with you. I would rather go back to high school with my new friends and learn more about how to be like an actual human person. And that's how the book ends. Yeah. Well, and also, um, Diego and Sammy and, uh, Dora and Randy lightly, lightly hook up in, in the way of, uh, you know, compulsory heterosexuality in media. Like, yeah, there were two boys and two girls, obviously two couples have formed. Yes. Yeah. Like, I want to know, though, because it ends with a big feast at the jungle home. How in the world did they get all the families down there that fast? I mean, you have visas and you have airplanes and all of that stuff you have to deal with to go to a different country yet they were like down there instantly and i know the government does not work that fast (laughs) i mean if if your kids were kidnapped that probably would expedite things for you you would hope uh apparently they did (laughs) in the world of this film anyway yes So, yeah, I I feel like this is something where a lot of people on Twitter were kind of dunking on it, and I just feel like this is funny and weird on purpose, and it's just doing what it set out to do, and I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, I mean, same, same all around. It was, I I think I, I opened it at work. And I read the first, like, three chapters, and I was like, oh, this is delightful. And I had a feeling it was going to be, um, based on the stuff that I saw on Twitter, like, there were a lot of people dunking on it, but my reaction to it, and I thought, like, oh, maybe I'm irreparably broken because of this podcast. (laughs) But my my reaction to it was, uh, this looks wild and amazing. You know, Kate, Uh, two things can be true. (laughs) <laughs> you're not wrong you're not wrong this could be a good book and i could be dead inside and, and again i mean it, it is a novelization like i am sure that the actual effect of the movie is better i guess yes. i'm not sure i haven't seen it but it seems like it would be better to see it performed by danny trejo and benicio del toro um and Luis from ant-man yes. and yes. others <laughs> absolutely And I just, I do love the way that they took the innocence and, you know, just the joy of the cartoon, the original cartoon. We're not even going to talk about that other series that they did and where they aged her up to like a tween, yet she looks like some sort of Bratz doll and with friends and stuff doing that. But they really captured that original um, cartoon and the fun of it and encapsulated it in a live action movie with you know some leeway for being able to introduce some cartoon elements into it you know what this is I think I think if I were going to do like an SAT analogy um, this book slash movie is to Dora as Josie and the Pussycats is to like OG Archie comics yes uh, perfect yes. Where it's like, it has this sort of self-aware referential humor, and it's definitely aimed at somebody a little bit older than the original source material was, but it's, it's respect, it's like clearly fond of its source material, and it's making some little in-jokes for you, and, and I just enjoyed it. Yeah, and it, it very much, like, when I first heard that this was happening, and saw the posters at the movie theater, I was like, 
why in the world would they do some terrible, gritty, adult Dora reboot? And I have never been so happy to be proven wrong that this is not, this is something that takes that original, like, respect animals and the environment and you can do anything if you put your mind to it and like the world is not a terrible place it's something worth exploring and discovering and enlightening yourself about and just turned it into a movie for everyone instead of a cartoon for preschoolers yeah i will say maybe not for everyone because christy was saying that you didn't think um the five-year-old in your life would enjoy this. And I think that's probably true. I think kids who are at the age for actual Dora now, it's going to be a little bit much for them. But kids who grew up with Dora, like tweens even, I don't think you'd have to be very yeah. far beyond Dora, actual Dora watching age to enjoy this. But No, definitely not. And I, I think that that age, you know, adults will appreciate it because they will remember seeing it with their kids. I think that maybe the original kids, like my kids' age, they're, you know, early 20s, they could see some of the humor and stuff in it, too. But I think it would really capture, like, the tween and teen set of people who were looking for, you know, something that is re technically rebooted from their childhood, but keeps the innocence, too. Yeah, and you know, and this is a a junior novel. It's it's listed as for ages eight to twelve. I feel like it's probably about right. Probably on the younger yeah. end of that overall, but definitely love it. All right, are we ready for some dramatic readings? Yes, let's show everyone how good this book is. Yeah, let's Absolutely. put our money where our mouth is. And by money, again, none of this money is from Nickelodeon, but please give us some. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, so our first one, our first dramatic reading is from near the beginning of the book where Dora is still in the in the jungle with her parents and she's out narrating to her GoPro and I'll be Dora and Kate will be the narrator here. And that's Boots. Hi, Boots. Now, Boots wasn't a talking monkey on account of that's not a thing. So Dora did the next best thing, which was to do Boots's voice for him. Hi, Dora. What's today's adventure? Here's another old saying we just made up. The only thing more inquisitive than a monkey is a person pretending to be a monkey. Pretty good, right? Dora pulled out an old, weather-beaten piece of paper. It was dog-eared, having been marked and remarked so many times. This was her trusty map, and she never went anywhere without it. Today, we continue our decades-long search for Parapata. Dora said to her unseen audience via the camera. As she ran along, Dora passed a tree and noticed something bright and yellow. Ooh, look! A golden poison frog. Its skin is lethally toxic and can cause full-body paralysis. Can you say severe neurotoxicity? Again, unclear who's supposed to say this exactly. So if you feel compelled, now is the time to say severe neurotoxicity. And we'll keep moving. Dora and Boots proceeded with caution, making sure to avoid even a glancing touch of the frog's poisonous skin. Bye, deadly frog. Have a nice day. The frog just looked at her, because that's something frogs do really, really well. At that moment, Boots leaped off of Dora's shoulder and took to the trees. Scrambling atop a branch, he nodded his head at something. Dora focused her attention on him and saw what had caught his eye. 
a gigantic wimba tree that had grown over the entrance to what appeared to be a dark cave. Nice catch, Boots! Ancient Inca called caves the gateway to the underworld and home to Supe, god of the underworld. I've got a bad feeling about this, said Dora, pretending to be Boots. Come on, Boots, let's explore. Marking the tree with an O in red berry juice, Dora and Boots pressed on. She ran toward the cave, pushing aside the branches of the Wimba tree. As she entered the dark entrance, Dora reached inside her backpack and pulled out a small headlamp, which she attached to her headband. With a click, she turned on the light and revealed a swarm of bats flying right out at her. Sorry, hairy-legged vampire bat family. Didn't mean to disturb you. Unnerved, Boots headed straight to Dora and became glued to her side. Some say the Inca used caves to hide their greatest treasure from the Spanish conquistadores said Dora, once again talking to the camera. Venturing further into the cave, she saw some ancient Inca carvings on the cavern walls. Then, seized by the spirit of adventure, Dora started to run. She couldn't wait to discover what was up ahead. All right. (sighs) Delightful and educational. All right, the next dramatic reading is uh, when Dora's parents tell Dora she got to move to the city. And Kate will be Dora, and Christy and I will be her parents. But I don't want to go to the city, Dora protested. Cole and Elena were busy loading up the family jeep with Dora's baggage, which means they were too busy to notice that Dora had emerged from the jungle house carrying her backpack with a boa constrictor draped around her neck. You know, like you do. I don't, I won't know anyone there, Dora continued to whine. You'll know your family. You used to be so close to Diego. I bet he has missed you too. And your abuelita is so excited to make you her famous frijoles. Dora rolled her eyes. You're trying to lure me to the city with beans? You used to love her beans. I found the golden monkey, not you. You're both in Justos. Can you say in Justos? Go ahead. Say it. We'll wait. No need for sass, young lady. We're going into unexplored parts of the jungle. Militias, bandits, tribes who don't like outsiders, tribes who eat outsiders. That's a false rumor based on Western anti-native biases. They don't like outsiders because they take everything they own. Dora corrected. She is right about that. That's not the point. Besides, being in the world around kids your own age will help. Help what? Honey, you're wearing a boa around your neck. I know. It's a boa as a boa. It's like a visual pun. It is funny. Don't encourage her. Oh, okay. Put the boa down, young lady. Take a seat. Against her better judgment, Dora took the boa from her shoulders and gently put the snake down in the long grass. What is happening? She a- Dora asked, looking at her father. We gotta have the talk. A horrified look crossed Dora's face. What? No, not that talk. No, 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 no. Another talk about the dangers of the big city. Right. Okay, look. You may know about the jungle, but you don't know about the big city. But we do. We're hip to it. Yeah, we know things. Right. Like, people are going to invite you to dance parties called raids 
The people there are called ravers. They're going to have glow sticks, candy necklaces, and hacky sacks. The music will sound like this. Then Then Cole started to make sounds from his mouth, which Dora guessed was maybe supposed to sound like beatboxing. Maybe? This is not good? No, this is not good. If someone wants to take you to a rave, what do you say? Yes, thank you. No! No, you say no. You shove them to the ground and shout, No, I will not go to an illegal rave with you. Um, okay. Then Cole took his daughter's hand again and pulled her close. He hugged her tightly. Just be careful out there, Miha. That's all we're trying to say. I would love to see Dora at a rave. (laughs) (laughs) Same, to be honest. Uh, All right. And then our last dramatic reading is uh, when they're out in the jungle and have encountered some quicksand. And Christy will be Dora, and I will be Ali Alejandro, and Kate will be poor Randy. The only one left now in the quicksand pit was Alejandro. While the others had been telling their stories and following Dora's rules and escaping, Alejandro had just been wiggling and sinking. Now the only parts of him that were visible were his face and his chest. I'm not telling any stupid story. Just pull me out of here. But he continued to panic, and so he sank even further into the mud. Only his head poked out now. But something behind him caught Dora's eye. Alejandro, you have to stop moving. Stay still. What? What is it? Alejandro tried to turn his head, but was able to due to the dense mud. But everyone else could see what Dora had noticed seconds before. A scorpion. Why have you all gone quiet? What's behind me? It's bad, isn't it? If it wasn't bad, you would all be talking as much as you usually do. Don't move a muscle, which was easy for Alejandro considering his current situation. The scorpion scuttled across the mud right in front of Alejandro. Ah! I knew it! Go away! Shoo! Shoo! But the scorpion didn't shoo. Instead, it circled around Alejandro. Not knowing what else to do, Alejandro tried to blow it away. Then a second scorpion appeared, and the first scorpion scuttled right onto Alejandro's head. Get it off! Get it off! Uh Uh-oh. Another male. They will now fight. And with that, the second scorpion leaped onto Alejandro's head. I'm not sure those guys are fighting. You're right, Randy. It's a female. You can tell by the markings. They're not fighting. They are mating. It looked like Alejandro was about to explode, and his whole body went through a series of panic convulsions at Dora's words. But he couldn't really move at all, just sort of vibrate in place. No, Alejandro, stay still, stay still. But it was already too late. Alejandro went under the quicksand, disappearing from view entirely. The scorpions were now resting on the surface of the mud. They paused for a moment, then scuttled away. The group looked at the spot where Alejandro had been and noticed a few bubbles popping on the surface. Then nothing. And then Alejandro died. (laughs) (laughs) And that would have shortened the book. (laughs) Uh, What a delight. All right. You want to play some Would You Rather? Yeah, let's do it. Would you rather have a monkey friend or a jaguar friend? Which is what Diego has, if you didn't know. I 
something. I mean, I think I would rather have a monkey friend. I mean, people who listen to the podcast know that I'm not like a huge cat person. I think I'm probably going to be allergic to either of them. Um, <laughs> but I think I'll go with the monkey probably slightly less likely to try and eat me. Uh, I want a jaguar friend, obviously. And I'd probably go for a monkey friend just because I think it'd be great to have another pair of helping hands around the house. Mm, good point. Very good point. I would love to have a jaguar, like, just like a living accessory. Like, their print is so, so stylish. <laughs> Definitely. <sighs> All right. How about, would you rather narrate your life like the star of an educational show or have a horrible history-style funny textbook written about your life? This is tough because I'm actually a very sensitive snowflake, and I feel like some of the sarcasm and horrible histories might be too mean for me if it was about me. (laughs) (laughs) So I think by default I would have to go with narrate my life like the star of an educational show. I feel like by having a podcast, we're already like, I don't know, 50% of the way there. That's true. Mm. Yeah, I I would also rather have that, but mostly, like, I just want Duarte to be a YouTube star, and I feel like this is my my gateway. <laughs> I would have to actually go with a horrible history textbook because um, dry sarcasm is my life, and if it's written in a textbook, then I don't have to read it and be that uncomfortable about it. That's true. All right, last up, would you rather be trapped in a box being shipped to Central America or attend a high school dance? So I thought about this a lot since we came up with this question, and I think I actually have to go with high school dance, if only because um, from here to Central America would be a very long flight, and I already hate being on airplanes with people for that long. Uh, sitting in a seat that I have with a seatbelt on an airplane next to someone for six hours, especially if they are strangers, drives me out of my mind. So I think that being in a box with a bunch of people for that long, I would murder them and it would be bad. As much as I like was not super into high school dances when they were happening, you can always hide in the bathroom in a stall by yourself without being on top of anyone else. Okay, but it did seem like they were unconscious until they got there, which in some ways is the ideal way to travel. That is true. Absolutely. I mean, attending a high school dance is really only like one degree removed from what my job is every day. <laughs> and so I, like, I don't mind it. But I think I will actually get in that box of Central America because, again, if I'm if I've been, like, knocked out by gas for the whole flight pretty good and then i've got like a free trip to central america so that seems cool yeah and i would definitely go with the box being shipped to central america because number one i've never been out of the country so hey free trip trip. you don't even have to get your passport exactly and being in a box that's going to be a lot more roomy even if there are three other people in there it's going to be a lot more roomy than actually riding up in you know even first class so i would go that way absolutely all right well played um and now let's move on to Reader's Advisory, where we'll suggest some other things to read or watch um, instead of or in addition to reading or watching Dora and the Lost City of Gold. 
which I think we've made it pretty clear that we think this this book is good and we think this movie we're gonna go see it yes definitely um I mentioned it earlier I do of course always recommend Josie and the Pussycats the greatest movie of all time uh and perhaps as great as the sounds perhaps the greatest specifically adaptation of like a childhood property into something else absolutely I mean there's also Riverdale which is a whole different thing and that I also love but it is not as good as Josie and the Pussycats the film very little is um I would recommend I went back and forth between whether to recommend the girl who drank the moon or iron-hearted violet by Kelly Barnhill I went with the girl who drank the moon because there's a lot of time in like for there's a lot of journeying through forests but basically just everything by Kelly Barnhill is very good also, you recommended Ironheart Violet last episode. Oh, so, so you're, there you go. So you're getting the word out. Yes. Also, I would recommend The Jumbies by Tracy Baptiste. Uh, it is creepier. It's definitely, like, on the, the it, it's a middle grade, like, horror, I, w- I would say it's a middle grade horror novel. So maybe we're not a stay away from that one, but I, I think there's a sequel now, too, um, and I very much enjoyed it. I think for me, what's so critical about this book, and I assume the movie, is just the the tone of it that's so sort of self-aware and funny. And I think what's a great match for this is um, all of Rick Riordan's books, and then also um, the new, and I've, I've talked about this in other episodes, but his Rick Riordan Presents line that, you know, has his name on the imprint, but he's boosting especially um, marginalized authors who are writing books about their own cultures, and so... Um, the Storm Runner by J.C. Cervantes is, oh, now I'm going to forget, I think it's based on Mayan mythology rather than Incan, but it, you know, it is written by a Mexican-American author, um, and it, so it has this kind of, like, funny self-aware tone, but it is also dealing with mythology, you know, and I don't think we really dug into, like, you could hear it, I think, in some of the read-alouds that we did, but this book is so aware of, like, the problems of colonialism when you're talking about exploring and discovering things that like were already there and just sort of like being respectful of native cultures. And so I, I think you're going to get that from the storm runner. And again, really anything from the Rick Riordan presents uh, imprint. And I said Nim's Island by Wendy Orr, just because it kind of had that whole dealing with parents, but it goes in a slightly different direction, but I like the fact that it's a young girl and she has, you know, scientist father, her mother's out of the picture, but she also has animals in it that she deals with. Plus, this book was actually made into a movie um, in 2008. Oh. But yeah, but beyond that... Um, my kids, when they watch Dora and everything, obviously the animals made a big impact with them. So kind of in that same genre and same time period, there was Zabumafu, which had the Krat brothers, and Zabumafu was actually a lemur. And he would—he was anthropomorphic also, where they used a puppet. They used the actual wild animal, and then they had a puppet who would talk on 
the screen. So they did a lot of animals. And then they the Wild Kratts came after, which is a cartoon version. So they were able to expand the audience. And it was very animal-oriented and very adventurous. So it would be a good pairing with this. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to Whales on Stilts and the Pals in Peril series by M.T. Anderson, which is a little bit older um, and I feel like it's largely fallen off the radar, but I, as you may know, I love M.T. Anderson and just like everything he writes is so different from everything else that he writes and yet everything that he does, he's so good at like just feel like every book he writes, he's like, I'm just going to try a different genre and different age group now, and I'm going to be great at it because I'm M.T. Anderson, and I'm maybe a witch. I don't know. But, <laughs> but these books are, they're kind of parodies of other types of middle grade books, and then y- you get the characters being very genre aware of what's happening to them, and they're just, they're so funny and so delightful, but also like good stories as well. And I would recommend you dig those out. All right. Well, we'll have these and some other ones we didn't have a chance to talk about up on our website, which is, of course, worstbestsellers.com. Can you say worstbestsellers.com? We'll wait. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, don't say it. Just type it in. (laughs) Unless you like Siri or something. Can you say Siri, go to (laughs) worstbestsellers.com? Please do. I'm going to have to try that out and see if it works. All right. Let's move on now to our candy pairing where we'll suggest a candy treat to go along with this book or, you know, maybe smuggle it into the movie when you go see this movie. My candy pairing is straight up movie theater popcorn because that's what I'm going to be eating when I go to see this movie. Yes. And I chose last year's Halloween chocolate because, you know that it always turns up about a year later and just Dora's vintage chocolate bar. It's not quite 10 years old, but I'm sure it's probably going to carry about the same taste to it. Uh, mine is pan dulce. Can you say pan dulce? <laughs> okay, great. Good job. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> now it's time for the rock paper snicked. Where Kate will say who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Christy will choose which most enhances the book. Or she can choose paper, which is to leave it as is. All right. Uh, So if Dwayne The Rock Johnson were in this book, he would actually be starring in his own Jungle movie. And it would be completely separate from Dora uh, looking for Parapata and her parents. Uh, It would be some other like totally wild thing but there would be a point where they would briefly cross over and like the rock would be on some sort of chase that would run through the chase that dora and her friends were were on uh and there'd just be like a couple minutes of like meta jokes about it after which he would disappear back into the jungle uh in his own storyline and dora and her friends would continue on their quest Kate, you know what movie it would be, actually? It would be uh, Jumanji. And, I know, yes. <laughs> and I think, I didn't mention this earlier, I think the new Jumanji movie is another great kind of tone match for this and another really great kind of, like, oh, we're self-aware of how ridiculous this, like, children's book was, but also, like, let's just have a lot of fun with it and also on the rock. Uh, 
Also, this is just an unrelated but very on-brand anecdote I would like to get out there. Um, when I went to see Hobbs and Shaw with the Bellwether Friends podcast crossover, they had a trailer for the second Jumanji reboot movie, uh, Jumanji The Next Level. Again, I'm not being paid by Jumanji, but I will take your Jumanji money, please. Uh, and the sequel introduces Danny Glover and uh, Danny DeVito as as grandpas. And from the way that they're introducing the trailer, I thought they were showing us that one of the kid, one of the Jumanji kids had two gay grandpas, because that's very much their dynamic. And I was like, this is so progressive. I love these gay grandpas. And then I went and read about it online later, and I guess they're just like grandpa roommates, but I think we all know, you know. That's what they always said. They were roommates. <laughs> yes. So shout out to The Rock for being in Jumanji, starring gay grandpas, I think. Anyway, if Wolverine were in this movie, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I just had so much to say about Jumanji. <laughs> that is the most I've heard you talk about The Rock in this part. <laughs> I know. Uh, I mean, because I do normally, I need to, I need to get back on my Wolverine track. But sometimes I just am so compelled by my love for The Rock to also jump over and talk about him too. Um, but if Wolverine were in this book, um, he would encounter Dora and her friends in the jungle. He would teach them some fun facts about Canada in a very, you know, fun educational way. Uh, I think he'd warn them not to trust Alejandro, but then he would just be sort of on his way back into the jungle because he he knows a lot about what teenage girls are capable of, and he could tell that Dora had it under control and didn't really need any more help from him. Ooh, this is tough because, like... I would totally go watch this Jumanji crossover after I see this Dora movie. Mm-hmm. But I have to I have to go with Wolverine just because he is actually going to, you know, let Dora have it under control and she does have it under control, you know, through everything in the movie, so, you know, props to that. So, I'm going to go with Wolverine for this one. All right, well, thank you. Um, we It is a game where we always win, though, especially uh, because now we do have this beautiful double feature to look forward to of Jumanji and then Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Yes. And then Jumanji 2 Next Level starring gay grandpas, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do we think the moral of the story is? Uh, my moral of the story is kind of a theme that I've brought up several times throughout this recording. Uh, and that would be that I want to see this movie. My moral of the story is if you encounter quicksand, don't panic. Just lie down flat on your back and you'll float on out of there. And my moral of the story is that the jungle is definitely full of dangers, scary animals, ancient curses. But honestly, it has nothing on high school. Mm, so true. All right, now it is time for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte uh, gives his opinions on the book. Alright, Duarte, look, you're right. I mean, Diego's Jaguar definitely should have had a a better role in this. It was sort of unfair how much time they spent with just the monkey, but, you know, maybe next year they'll do a a Diego movie and really give that Jaguar time to shine. Yeah, um, you know, this this leaves it ripe for a sequel, I think. Uh, And if if it really focuses on Diego, then I think that, yeah, like, we'll have some great cat role models up on the big screen for you. 
definitely. All right. Do any humans have any closing thoughts? Um, just that we should talk later to figure out when we're going to go see this movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and a reminder that we're not taking money from Nickelodeon, but Nickelodeon, please call us. Yeah. I remember that we have not yet taken money from Nickelodeon, but we are open to discussions. <laughs> yes. Oh, we're going to be as optimistic as Dora is. <laughs> I'm keeping it on my vision board. <laughs> Collaboration with Nickelodeon. And whoever made Jumanji, also, I would also, is it Disney? I don't know. DreamWorks. <laughs> whoever made Jumanji, I'll take your money. <laughs> <laughs> and also put more gay grandpas in it, please. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, uh, if you would like uh, to reach out to us, maybe to offer us sponsorship movie money for endorsing your movie or just to chat uh you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash worst bestsellers um you can follow us on twitter where we're at worst bestseller with no s because uh the s did fall into some quicksand and it panicked and was lost forever goodbye s adios sa uh and uh, we also have a goodreads group where you can uh talk to us and see what's on our bookshelf and the best way to get to that is just to go to worstbestsellers.com and click on the Goodreads link. You can also subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, basically wherever you find podcasts. Uh, if you do subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review us. When you rate and review us, it pushes us up on the charts and makes it easier for new listeners to find us. If you don't rate and review us, you're in trouble because you don't know it, but actually it's the last step in a very lethal jungle puzzle. Uh, and you do need to complete that review to get out to the other side. Yeah, there are poison darts pointed at you right now. Didn't even know it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you're in trouble. Uh, you can also sponsor us on Patreon. Uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash worst bestsellers. Uh, Patreon is a service where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation to us that we use to do things like pay our editor and... And go see Dora our- movie. <laughs> Go see the Dora movie. <laughs> Very important podcast. Uh, that's that's the goal. That's the gold sponsorship. <laughs> um, in exchange, you get all sorts of perks as well, like a newsletter that comes out monthly uh, about things that Renata and I are listening to and watching and thinking about, and some notes on episodes that don't make it uh, into the episodes themselves. Uh, you can also, on our website at worstbestsellers.com, find some merch that we provide for this podcast. Uh, we don't provide on- it, we sell it. We sell it, yes. <laughs> uh, and, and that's another perk you get, by the way, if you're a Patreon donor, is you get discounted merch. Yes. You go to worstbestsellers.com and click on merch. You can find all sorts of merchandise related to our podcast that you can wear on your body. Or hang on your wall or do whatever you want with it. Carry your books in it. All right. And finally, if you just want to talk to me personally online, I'm at Renata Snacks on Twitter. And that is also where I post many pictures of Duarte. Uh, You can find me at 14 Across, where I guess I mostly just complain about things and talk about other podcasts. I think that's mostly what Twitter is for. Yeah. If you if you don't have a pet, then complaints and podcasts is about it. And you can also find me on Twitter at Books and Yarn. That's Books 
letter N, yarn. And I may not talk about yarn so much, but I definitely talk about books and the Oxford comma because it's the best. <laughs> yeah, if you're not, if you are interested at all in books or librarianship and you're not already following Christy on Twitter, uh, you should definitely go rectify that immediately. Christy is, by the way, Christy's introduction of herself really downplayed that Christy is a, a very, uh, noteworthy and an influential and cool librarian who definitely should be in your book life yes oh thanks ladies well thank you for coming on this episode with us it was a pleasure it was a blast i'm so glad you know after being at the beginning of your whole summer series with sweet valley high and wrapping it up it's it's terrific yes um Well, thank you again for joining us. Thanks to everyone else for listening. And we'll be back in two weeks with a a frequently requested book that we're just now getting around to. And that is Divergent by Veronica Roth. Hooray, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta go jump off a moving train to get ready for this book. Or whatever. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.